just want to test this out. Had to find one of the mallets. See if this still works here. Okay. Still, still works. Positive Sean Gong. Effective See, as always. Sean Gong, just to, you know, if, if things go a little long, it's just handy to have a... Get a little rambly, you know, <laughs> just, just a, to... A helper? Just yeah, just checking that out. So, anyway. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, usually stories we won't be covering, which we rotate here and there throughout the show. We're... Positive Sean hits us with a few headlines that, uh, you know, stuff we just are not going to get to that's amusing or intriguing. But today it's a one-story story we won't be covering. It is the review of the new Star Wars flick, huh? That's... I only know one truth. Yeah? It's time for the Jedi. Oh, my God. To end. The Last Jedi. Now, this is the eighth film in the series of the Star Wars universe. It is The Last Jedi. This is the uh, the second in this most modern trilogy, the first being The Force Awakens. What was that? That's uh, Chewbacca. He came by to say hi. Now the captain (laughs) of the Millennium Falcon. Shout out to Chewbacca with the promotion. Um, (laughs) This is is a... uh, I I really... I love this movie. It it was great. It it, it solved... Okay, first... Action movies in general, kind of space adventure action movies and, you know, comic book movies in that same light, to me, they're only compelling as the bad guys are. And this was the best villain, the most wholly formed character of a, of the villain in a movie I've seen in a long time. Oh, that's a, good. What's the name of the villain, or is that a given something? Away? No, no. Kylo Ren is the... Is, 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 I remember Ren. him. Yeah, yeah. That's that's his name. He's, uh, he, yes, he, he has this... If I don't at some point during the movie say... Maybe he's got a point. You're not doing a bad job of explaining the bad guy. Because, oh, come on! Because the bad guys, calm down, Chewie. The bad guys need to, or they are operating from the point. No, I believe what I'm doing is right. I don't mm-hmm. like the villains that are like I'm. A, I'm an evil person. I do right, evil things right. because that's what evil guys do. Those oh. are boring characters. Interesting. A little depth, a little yeah. complexity. Glad yeah. to hear it. Hey, here's a dumb question. How long is this movie? Uh, it's about two hours. Okay. So it's, um, it's yeah. not a Lord of the Rings sort of three and a half hours. No, not three hours, yeah. but it's not the 90-minute thing. It was tough to tell because they seemed to load it with a lot of previews, so my exact runtime was a, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, it's another original score by John Williams, who is the low-key MVP of the entire Star Wars universe. His, his music, his composition of these things is fantastic. Um, it was... Uh, it, it does so many things well. Uh, m- one of most notably, the jackets. The jackets are amazing in this movie. I look at movies, <laughs> and one of the metrics I go by is would I wear the jackets that they are wearing in this movie? And wow. I, absolutely, wow. I would in this. Your jacket game is strong. Hey, speaking yeah. of John Williams, do they still do the dum, 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 dum? Is that song still around? Or yeah, is yeah, that- yeah, so they, they have that, that basic kind of uh, general theme that they do mm. over the, the pre credit scroll when they kind of catch you up on where the story is. That gives everybody in there a little... Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. That person was on Tatooine, or yeah, that person was on nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it it just handles these things so well. It sets up the 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 franchise to go beyond not just the next movie, but 
there's going to be Star Wars movies for the next dozen years. They're, they are of decreasing quality, probably, at mm-hmm. some point. Where but we... this one's a, a honey. Everybody's saying it. Yeah, this was the first one of these of these modern reshoots, uh, both being the, the two main ones in the trilogy. And All then right, we're getting the into side too stories. deep character where, to, to territory here. Where would you rank it? In terms of being good, where would you rank it? Like It's probably the best. Uh, the force, uh, No, no. I was, I was the most enjoyable one that I remember seeing on my first viewing. Huh. The, the first time I saw it, I, I thought this was great. Um, the other the other movies had, uh, they changed directors midway. They would have to constantly do reshoots. They would have to bring in other script doctors, rewrite. This was the first one that didn't have any of those kind of hiccups throughout the production, and it really showed in the movie. You didn't see the seams. You didn't see where things kind of got forced back in together into place to try to make a, 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 a comprehensive movie. Um, and, What's uh, the average person in the crowd, average age, you think? Uh, the person on my left was one of several uh, kids, uh, probably middle school age to high school, and the person on my right was a, a person older than me. Wow, that's something they, that like the NFL and Major League Baseball, for instance, doesn't have. And that is that the next generation of young people that are going to get into it like their dads, you know. That's and apparently the, Star Wars has pulled that off. The Disney specialty, Star Wars and Marvel, are both like that too, where they have these kind of all four quadrants of. Male, female, old, young—they all—they all seem to go to these movies. Right, um, but I, yeah, I love the movie. Go watch it; you will not regret it. If you like Star Wars, there's no reason you won't enjoy this. That beast, that noise you were playing. What? what? That yeah. guy. What is he? That's Chewbacca. He's and, a Wookie. Mm-hmm. He, uh huh. He's a Wookie. He's been there from the beginning. Oh yeah. Oh he yeah. He's yeah. in the first one. Yeah. Is he aging like everybody else, or is he timeless? He got gray hair on his uh, chin. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little. Walks bit of... the, has a walker and an oxygen hey, tank. He's hunched over now. <laughs> Constantly highlighting TV Guide. <laughs> wow. Just sits in the craft watching Fox News. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Getting more and more angry about the Empire. Does this have... Then uh, swearing off of it for two months and then going back. Uh, the, the the old guy married to the swizzle stick crashes his plane on golf oh, courses now. Ford? Yeah, Harrison yeah. Ford. Is he in this? No. Uh, no. No, he, okay. he, no I got bad this. news for you. You yeah. didn't see the last one, evidently. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he yeah, died in that. Yeah, one? He's not with us anymore. Oh, really? They no. killed him off. I, I killed by Grease Windu or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> and Mark Hamill, quite. the original from Star Wars, Mark Hamill was in this movie. Yes, he is in this. How, he is very good. How old does he look? Uh, he looks very old, yeah. but he's um, supposed to be. Yes, yeah, absolutely. He's not trying to pull off like a uh, Jean Claude Van Damme I saw the other day trying to do an action movie, and it's just no, rough. No, and and I'm told that Mark Hamill, whose uh, performances used to be as wooden as the great redwood forests of California. Are now more like IKEA wooden. You're not even sure it's wood, so he's improving <laughs> with age. What do you think? How was Mark Hamill briefly? It was the best I've ever seen him in a, in a live go. action role. There you go. Fantastic. See, see, you just can't. You can't in a live action role. Why did you say that? Because he's because you had to reference the fact that he does cartoon voices. <laughs> All I asked you was how was his performance. <laughs> My God, man, you you, you you just have no limits. Wow. You need some fences to hold in the sheep of your thoughts. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, Chewbacca? That's right. Some fences for the sheep of your thoughts. Yes! Now that's Heard a, those thoughts. That's a metaphor Hi-ya! right there. All right, so on a more serious note, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, thousands of people are croaking it, taking the opioids. And 60 Minutes going huge this Sunday night. And the Washington Post along with them, and we're going to talk to one of the reporters on that. It's a huge story of our time, no doubt. Yeah, and one of the more frustrating aspects of it to some people is that uh, Big Pharma is making it difficult to enact any real reforms. 
So because they're we'll profiting. About, well, yeah, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of money at stake, isn't there? That's right. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. A couple weeks back, 60 Minutes did a big uh, story on the opioid epidemic and what may be behind it and what may not be behind it. And they're they're following it up on it with the Washington Post this Sunday night, which I'm looking forward to. Indeed. And why don't we start here? The Ensuring Patient Access and Effective Drug Enforcement Act of 2016. Why? That sounds like an enlightened and balanced piece of legislation. Um, is actually uh, been greeted with a chorus of voices, according to the Washington Post, calling for changes in the law. And that voice, uh, those voices include not only the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, but 44 state attorneys general and the head of the DEA to talk about the law and the the repercussions of it and who's howling for it to be reformed. Please welcome Scott Hyam, Washington Post investigative reporter. Scott, welcome. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm great. We really great appreciate. Uh, yeah, it's it's our pleasure. Thanks for spending a little bit of time. So, tell us about this law and uh, how it came to be law and, and what the situation is now. Well, you know, we have to go back a little bit in time. Um, the the DEA, there's a division uh, within the DEA that regulates the pharmaceutical industry, and they were very aggressive going after uh, large companies that they believed were uh, not paying attention to the law, that were sending lots and lots of doses of oxycodone, um, uh, hydrocodone, Vicodin, etc., downstream to pharmacists uh, uh, and other facilities without really paying attention uh, to the uh, unusually large orders and frequency of orders and uh, things that they're supposed to do uh, uh, according to the law. And uh, they began to find these companies, they began to hold them accountable, they began to shut down their warehouses, suspend their registrations, and the industry started fighting back. Um, they began to lobby Congress, um, they began to spread a lot of money around Capitol Hill, um, and they got um, uh, Tom Marino, who is a, a Pennsylvania congressman, to uh, sponsor this bill, this Ensuring Patient Access and Effective Drug Enforcement Act. It sounds like a terrific piece of legislation, but when you take a closer look at it, it, uh, it contains uh, uh, some language that was written by a, uh, a drug industry lawyer who used to work at the DEA and now represents drug companies. Um, and that language basically makes it much more difficult for the DEA to do its job, according to um, you know, Jeff Sessions, uh, investigators and agents that we've talked to out in the field. Uh, it raises the standard of proof uh, for certain enforcement actions. Uh, and then when a company is found to be in violation of the law, uh, before the DEA can sanction them, that company now can say, well, wait a minute, um, we're going to correct our behavior, and you, we're allowed to correct our behavior before you can sanction us. And so the DEA's uh, top administrative law judge has equated that to, you know, allowing somebody to go into a bank and rob the bank, and then when you get caught, you say, oh, I'm just going to put the money back. Hmm. Um, so it's a very controversial piece of legislation. How did the law get pushed through? I'm sorry? How did the law get pushed through? Well, it's, uh, it was passed by something called unanimous consent, which is a parliamentary procedure that's used quite frequently in, in Washington for, uh, for pieces of legislation that are usually considered to be non-controversial. 
Um, and uh, so this was kind of a close hold between uh, a number of, uh, of, of legislators who are kind of pro-industry um, uh, members of Congress like Orrin Hatch, uh, Tom Marino. Uh, there's a, a senator named Sheldon Whitehouse who represents the state of Rhode Island where CVS is headquartered. Um, and so these, this handful of members told the other um, members of Congress that this, this was fine, that this was okay, that they didn't really need nothing to see here. Um, wow, you know, so they used the mechanism you used to declare it National Blueberry Day to pass through <laughs> complex legislation governing opioids that are killing thousands of people. It's a hell yeah, of a maneuver. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it, it, this is an old story in Washington, and 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 sadly, it, it's uh, it it continues to go on. But you know, lobbyists write legislation, and uh, a lot of times lawmakers do not read these pieces of legislation, and they vote on them anyway. Uh, we have a prime example uh, in front of us right now with this tax bill. The only difference here is that this piece of legislation was only three pages long. I mean, this, the, the tax bill that's pending in Congress now is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. This is only three pages long, and 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 two of those pages, um, um, you know, dealt with this law. It's only a few paragraphs, so it wasn't really that much uh, to to read. But a lot of members did not read it. So you all there at the Washington Post worked with sixty minutes, and I remember that episode of sixty minutes. Um, it was back in October. And we came in the next morning and talked about it a lot and played clips from it because it was I think it was astounding to a lot of America the way in which uh, DEA people thought they were being thwarted at trying to do something about this opioid crisis. Did did your reporting in that 60 Minutes episode um, not only alert a lot of the public of something needs to be done, but alerted the pharmaceutical companies that we need to uh, we need to come together and fight this? Did they realize something was happening? Well, I mean, the pharmaceutical companies have kind of doubled down and really and right. pushed pushed back very hard and have said that uh, that they that this legislation was the right thing to do, that it doesn't undermine uh, the DEA, and they've constructed uh, this narrative that they uh, keep pushing that the that the bill is a, is a, is just fine the way it is. Um, you know, the only problem is, is if you if you talk to you know the DEA administrative law judge, those attorneys generals that you mentioned, forty four of them across the country. Uh, the 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 AG himself, Jeff Sessions, who is the top law enforcement officer in the country, you know they they are all lawyers. They read this law, they see what it does, and they see how much more difficult it is for the DEA to bring uh, enforcement actions against distributors and manufacturers. And that's that's really the point. I, you know, it's it, they can still do their job when it comes to corrupt doctors and 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 uh, corrupt pharmacies. Um, it's much easier to prove cases against uh, those. It's always been difficult to prove a case against a distributor or a manufacturer much higher up on the food chain, and this law makes it even more difficult. Scott Hyam of the Washington Post is on the line. You know, Scott, when we talked about that in October, we received a handful of emails uh, from folks with chronic pain, a couple of vets who've said, you know, the whole trying to control this uh, you know, regimen is has really made it a, a huge pain, no pun intended, for folks who really need this stuff. And it it seems so difficult to find a sweet spot. That is, and that you know, I feel terrible for those folks. Um, and I wish we were better at you know fine tuning legislation instead of the way we do it. But at the same time, the Attorney General of the United States and forty four state attorneys general. I mean, I don't have time to really, really study the minutiae of that. But that's a pretty damn persuasive number to me that there's yeah, something well, wrong with it. It's um, it 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 it's, it seems uh, you know it seems uh, um, 
it, 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 you know, there, 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 there's a lot of um, people who are coming forward uh, in opposition to the bill. But, you know, they're up against the, probably the most powerful uh, industry in America, the pharmaceutical industry, the drug, uh, drug distribution um, um, uh, industry, the manufacturer's industry. Uh, you know, they're, they're, um, you know they're, uh, they're a formidable uh, opponent, and they have a lot of money, and they have a lot of people up on Capitol Hill who are sympathetic to their arguments and uh, take a lot of money from them. So, um, you know, there's a real battle going on right now in, in Washington, a political battle, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, caught in the middle, are uh, there's a lot of families out there who have lost people to this epidemic. Um, oh, the numbers are just uh, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's absolutely unbelievable. It's actually, as much attention as it's getting, it should be getting more attention. It's just yeah. incredible. But um, so here's a question, and I don't know if this is too far into the world of opinion for a you know a good solid reporter like yourself. But what I've wondered all along, all those people you just mentioned from the um, you know the the world of, of of big drugs, the distributors, the pharmacies, the makers, all this different stuff, do they not believe they're contributing to all these deaths? Do they or or do they just not or do they not care? Do you have any idea? They 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 think we might be, but they just don't care. Well, their their argument, and they've 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 made it um, uh, many times, is that this is um, this is a complicated uh, problem, and uh, that there are corrupt doctors that are writing bogus prescriptions. There are corrupt pharmacies that are filling those bogus prescriptions. There are pain clinics. There are pain mills. There there are all kinds of problems throughout the country, and. Uh, that just to, and they also blame the DEA for uh, for um, for its quota uh, uh, for production of. They set the quota nationally for how much uh, uh, how many opioids can be manufactured. So they, you know, their argument is there's a lot to blame to go around, and and just by blaming uh, the the industry is is unfair. Scott Hyam, Washington Post investigator, reporter on the line. Yeah, I just—I remember coming around away from the sixty minutes piece, thinking you, 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 some of you people are just lying scumbags that don't care. But um, you know, I—I think I think a lot of America came away from that that story that way. But you—you you think they honestly believe it's not their doing? Hmm. They have said that publicly. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Scott Hyam of the Washington Post. Scott, we sure appreciate the time. Well done. Good piece, and we'll have a link so folks can find it easily. Good to talk to you. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Thanks. Well done. There you see a high-level, legitimate reporter butting up against the world of talk radio, where he's right. not going to... He, all, all he can report is what they say. He can't. He's not going to get into their hearts and minds like right. I, I can as a talk show ho and a, a host. A talk show ho. <laughs> oh, calling and, Dr. Freud. Calling <laughs> Dr. Freud. And I can assign all kinds of... Uh, you know, charitable or awful intentions to people yeah. <laughs> anytime I want. Well, a person could suggest that it's very, very difficult to find the sweet spot here. And they have people who are paid to make sure the sweet spot isn't uh, or or that we don't accidentally miss the sweet spot in the direction of screwing the drug companies. Right. They pay people a lot of money to make sure that doesn't happen. And perhaps some would suggest those lobbyists drag it back a little too far the other direction. Right. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, Donald Trump congratulating the new police grads at the FBI Academy just couldn't resist a shot. Always. White, always. The White House is revising Speaker Paul Ryan's future plans, and we got a news survey with a surprising finding about when women are happiest. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Hmm, I got some guesses on that. Hmm.
I can't wait to hear the findings. Like a time of day, a point in their life, an age. We'll have to stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, 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 that that could get controversial. Plus, and this has nothing to do with Star Wars, the coming drone wars. The Pentagon is getting ready. Good. A leader in that. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. new Matt Lauer stuff out, new Harvey Weinstein stuff out. Oh, it's man. interesting. It's important for society. I don't know that I can talk about it. I don't I don't know that I need to. Uh, you know, in, in those cases. Well, I guess Lauer... It's seeming pretty clear, though, out of the Matt Lauer story that at least part of America now believes that if you have a position... If you're in a higher position in the company and you date anybody or have a relationship with anybody at work... That is... Well, it can't possibly be okay. No, they can't because possibly... Because of the power imbalance. Yeah, which is... Uh-huh. Man, yeah. how many relationships, long-term happy relationships, have started with something like that? Well, a huge percentage of them in the modern workplace, because, you know, you spend a lot of time at work. And, ra- and fa- rarely are you perfectly even peers. Right. Somebody's slightly higher, at least. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, president Trump says law enforcement has a president they can trust. He was speaking at the FBI Academy's graduation ceremony in Virginia. With me as your president, America's police will have a true friend and loyal champion in the White House, more loyal than anyone else can be. I tell you. Trump oh, noting the president's sake. <laughs> Trump noting the president has your back, and he condemned anti-police sentiments in the U.S. As the president was wrapping up his tribute to the new police graduates, he just couldn't resist. But as I look out in the audience today, I see many young, bright faces. To them and to many other young Americans watching at home, of which there are many. You see, there's the fake news back there. Look, everybody. (laughs) Fake news. No, actually, some of them are fine people. About, let's see, who's back there? Yeah, about 30%. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know what? This is coming out of a couple of weeks where a number of big news organizations have had to say, uh, I was com- not only was I wrong, we were completely wrong. It was the opposite of what we said. Right. Um, so, yeah. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders is trying to tamp down the reports Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan is thinking about retiring after next year's midterm elections. The Speaker knew very clearly and in no uncertain terms that if that news was true, he was very unhappy with it. Uh, The Speaker assured the President that those were not accurate reports. So there you go. What's not an accurate report? That he's going to retire after next year's midterm elections. What? According to Sanders. I read the interview that he gave. Well, that's what she said. I haven't. With Politico? Yeah. What's he say? Friend of the Armstrong Getty Show, Paul Ryan. Well, I'll have to look it back. That's right. I'll have to look it back up unless I am misremembering. He just more or less stated that he's, he's ready to be done. Okay, I'll have to look at that again. You want me to replay what she said again? No, I heard that. That we heard. It's what Paul Paul Ryan said, right? Yeah. All right, we have a new survey out. Turns out that women are happier after they reach 85 and their partners have died. A new survey. And and do they they help their partners along in that? (laughs) Oh, wow. 
<laughs> and I've just got to hold this pillow here for just a minute. Just a, oh, jeez. No, Come no, on now. No. Oh, it's more likely to be poison over a long period of time. <laughs> yeah, a little, what did we learn that one time? A little yeah. bit of uh, eye drops. One eye drop in the coffee every morning oh, over a period of years. Good. Does Great something topic to talk about. Super. Great. Ways to kill people, particularly your spouse, with Jack Armstrong. Jack? Now, this woman, somehow they figured yeah. it out, but she'd put an eye drop of uh, a drop uh, of the stuff you put in your yeah. eyes, like Visine. Yeah. One drop in his coffee every morning, and then after like five years or whatever, it killed his him. liver. Yeah. His liver or something. Wow. Very slow poisoning. Oh. I don't remember how they caught her. It was an interesting story. Anyway, a new survey from Britain's National Health Service asked 8,000. Well, the cop said, man, your house is dusty. My eyes are killing me. Do you have any Visine? And she said, no, I put it all in my husband's <laughs> coffee. To try to kill him. Oh, damn it! (laughs) A new survey from Britain's National Health Service asked 8,000 adults about their happiness. They found women are typically less happy than men until they're 85 years old. Psychiatrists say this could very well be because women have been widowed by that age and they no longer feel the burden of domestic duties and caring for their spouse. Well, what year is this? Pardon me? The burden of domestic duties. I don't know. My wife and I share our domestic duties. I mean, I don't How know. enlightened of you. How <laughs> <Well>, very progressive. <laughs> well, it's also possible. Listen, this is a little heavy, but... No uh, more nah, nah, nah from him. That's what I'm happy to hear. Right, right. Where's my... It's where you left it. None of that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember... You know, it's funny. It took me a while to want to get a dog again, even right. though I love dogs, just because the last part of Onyx's life was really hard. Um, and it was, well, it was difficult. It was sad. It was inconvenient. The rest of it. And and I could see some level of relief. Yeah. I got my memories, but I don't have a, uh, essentially a dying husband anymore. Right. So I'm, you know, sorry to be so heavy, but that could be part of it. One last note. We now have a date. Kensington Palace tweeting today. Prince Harry and his girlfriend, Meghan Markle, will be married on May 19th, 2018. Save okay. the date. I'll put there that in my go. calendar so I can make sure I... <laughs> I had beans for breakfast to uh, to celebrate. It's very British of me. Huh. It's going to be at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. Make no, your I'm reservations so. now. I've been there. That's a cool place. At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Um, it's one of my favorite aspects of talk radio is we take a study like you presented us about yes. older women and whatever that's almost certainly poor research and, and, and not true. And then we discuss it for like 15 minutes as if it were true. <laughs> Just for fun. It's a chance to talk about life. Right. We do it every day. We do it every day. Sure. sure. That's what morning TV is, too. You yeah. take crap science and then you talk about it as if it were true just for fun. I've got a theory, but I think it's only fit for podcasts, so I'll save it for that. Okay, good. Uh, That's on the special podcast for people who are uh, <laughs> buying that. What else do we got to get to? I know we got other things we got to jam in. A cop shop is in trouble for an email they put out about the opioid crisis. We have the drone wars, if we can squeeze that in. This tiny little wrinkle on Harvey Weinstein's kind of interesting. A lot of movies that you've seen had different stars because they refused his sexual advances. Wow. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This song very loud on way home. Good song. Turn it up, Michael. Oh, oh, Thursday, 
which is an uh, entertainment uh, magazine. As website. well as The Spice of Life. <laughs> Keep it in mind. Some it, say turmeric. It's not. It, it, <laughs> it has all the text, so you get to actually read the text, which it's just interesting uh, on the Matt Lauer thing. This is going back, geez, way back the many, many years ago. 2000, 17 years ago. But anyway, so this, uh, this, this, this woman that's out today, she had started, she was 24 years old. She's, uh, she's working there. She's an assistant something or other. She just started working there. Matt Lauer had just gotten married, by the way. Uh-huh. And she's the, the, the young assistant's probably as excited as she can possibly be. Oh, yeah. Matt Lauer sends her an email. An email was very new at that time, but sends her a message through their company message system out of the blue. She just started there. She, you know, Matt Lauer's the big star. She doesn't, she's not involved with him. You've got mail. He sends her a message. Hey, and they've got it right here. I hope you won't drag me into personnel for saying this, but you look fantastic. I don't know what you've done or what you've got going on in your life, but it's agreeing with you. I, I, I thanked him. I thanked him and told him about my new job. I'd like to get a little advice from you before I leave. Uh, then a couple of days later, he sends me a, uh, a message out of nowhere. Says, okay, now you're killing me. You look great today. A bit tough to concentrate in all caps. Okay, that's flirting. Yep. God, I'd say. And he wow. just gotten married. He's in his 40s. She's 24. Yeah. And that's how, he, that's how he starts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm unconfused by all this. I've never been in the position. Being a dude is different. I think you run away from that, but she felt like she had to go along because he was so powerful. And I mean, and it goes very quickly, like one lunch to him saying, meet me in my office. And she says, think about this. You have a wife. He says, dressing room, meet me now in 20 minutes. I can't stay long. I have a car coming. He said, okay, but you need to be up there soon. And then they start making out and all that sort of stuff. Just, I don't don't know. Every time I bring this up, I get yelled at by a lot of people, including my wife. For not understanding the the power thing, and you don't know what to do, and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. But geez, don't go up to the guy's dressing room. Some guy you just meet starts talking. How I can't concentrate. You're so hot. Stay away from that person. Yeah, but I guess it's not that easy. Yeah, yeah. If if I was a collegiate level golfer, right? Like if I was a scholarship golfer, and I just started working for a company, and one of the stars of this, or one of the the head guys of this thing, said, "Hey, I'm a golfer." I see that you're, I got this little crew. We play for money. Sometimes I'd love to have you as a ringer on my team, right? I'm trying to make a parallel of, of some sort of abstract out of the world value that. And you're saying this girl was like a collegiate level vagina or, or what? I'm not sure. I'm following. What I'm saying is that I can understand the impulse of somebody high up in this company is showing some form of interest sure, in me for sure, some reason. You want to please them. Am I able to, while simultaneously maybe keeping this at arm's length, can I entertain this enough to get some sort of benefit to my career? Out sure, of, it? of course, of course. It's it's a negotiation. Everything is in the workplace. It's not nearly as cut and dried as they told you when you were a kid. But at the same time, you got to remember a guy like Matt Lauer, who is a uh, a legendary philanderer. Apparently, the fact that some of it was a little compulsory and scary. Or, you know, the whole power imbalance thing in the office. That gets a little more complicated. But um, it was pretty well known he's a philanderer. So a guy like him, he sends out that email to, like, every cute girl around. And maybe 50, 60, 70, 80% say, that's really nice of you, Matt. But let's keep it professional. Or maybe just ignore it. Or ignore it or say, nice of you, Matt. But then, you know, through your future words and actions, make it clear that, you know, there's there's nothing happening, dude. Um, But that's fine with him because the 30%... 
who obviously, yeah, think they have to go to lunch or respond or uh, are insecure or, you know, uh, low self-esteem or whatever. Um, Those are the ones he's looking for. As a friend of mine once said to another friend of mine, or of another friend of mine, he can smell low self-esteem from across a crowded bar. He certainly moves fast. Somebody just starts, send him a message. Man, you look so hot today, I can't concentrate. Why wait? Want to go to lunch? Meet me in my dressing room in 20 minutes. Jeez, yeah. Why wait, I guess. Bring your tongue. And then on the Harvey Weinstein thing, so Peter Jackson's the Lord of the Rings dude. My other things, yeah. Big, big, big deal. Oh, he's a fabulous director. He says he had, was interested in uh, casting Ashley Judd and uh, Mira Sorvino in the Lord of the Rings movies, and Harvey Weinstein's people got a hold of him and said, no, those, are, those people are nightmares to work with. We need to avoid them at all costs. And um, he doesn't realize until now that that was a smear campaign um, to, you know, just to try to damage people who had rejected his advance positive sean weinstein productions the lord of the rings movies they were the original studio to sign on to it okay uh further on in that article the jackson describes how the weinsteins were horrible to work with they wanted to make him do it in one movie there was all these things uh similar to the selma kayak thing he said all right well here's here's yes a list no. of the oh i'm sorry peter uh, jackson okay. now suspects no. he was fed incorrect. originally yes later no yes that's four words there you go peter jackson now suspects he was fed incorrect information about the two outstanding actresses and it was enough to prevent him from casting them in, wow. in some of the biggest movies ever made. So he was on the receiving end of the or else that Harvey would hit people with. Yeah. So he actually tried to ruin their career, keep them out of the movie. He says that uh, when Miramax controlled The Lord of the Rings was when Weinstein and his brother were behaving like second-rate mafia bullies. They weren't the type of guys I wanted to work with, so I haven't, said Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But so that's how he would punish you. And so some big stars didn't make it into big movies because... They said no to a variety of things. I have the list of the variety of things you might have to say no to. Uh, Salma, Hay- Salma Hayek says so she said no to taking a shower with him, no to letting him watch her take a shower, no to giving him a massage, no to letting a naked friend of his give her a massage, no to letting him give her oral sex, uh, no to uh, getting naked with another woman, no to a long list of things. Right. Repeatedly. Over. Over years. Over. Yeah. 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 Jeez. And then, then those no's were often greeted with rage. Rage and threats, including a, I'm going to kill you. I can do that. So we got a story coming up next hour about a uh, a guy I'm actually uh, friends with who is a uh, university conductor of the orchestra position of power who had invited one of the young players in the orchestra over to his house into the hot tub, a dude. Mm. And that would be one of the situations Sean was just talking about, right? Where you'd think, oh my God, the conduct- I'm just a freshman. The conductor of the orchestra wants me to come over to his house. We've hit it off. He obviously thinks I'm really talented. He must think yeah. I'm a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And that turned into an ugly situation that my, we'll have in the news. Yeah, my incredibly difficult future in music, as in acting, as in a lot of fields, is uh, more likely to come true. Yeah, yeah, it's insidious. So, anyway. I, for some reason, I thought there'd be a longer build to these things than an email to somebody who just started. You look hot. I can't concentrate. Let's go to lunch. And then during lunch, all you talk about is how hot they are. Yeah. Then you send them a message right after that. Meet in my dressing room. Yeah. I didn't know it moved that fast. Well, I think maybe an expert flanderer like Matt Lo- uh, Matt Liar L- L- knows that he can um, he can judge very quickly whether she's possible or not. 
whether she's a prospect or not. He's prospecting. Hit him day two. Hey, you look amazing. You want to go out to lunch? Um, yes, Mr. Lauer. There you go. Bingo. Ding. Have I and ever... the one who says, nah, that wouldn't be cool. You, you have no chance with. Have I ever told the story of how I figured out I was a, a, a wannabe sex object for a professor in college? Have I ever told that story on the air? Mm, or is it like my I no. haven't had a donut?